Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is, it's, I don't think it's ever going to stop Sherry working on the soundhealthportal.com. It's a, it's a living organism that keeps growing and evolving. It's truly amazing. Uh, you can find the soundhealthportal.com at soundhealthportal.com. And currently there are campaigns there where you can go and you can do a free, the campaigns are free trials, <clears throat> excuse me, where you can go and do a vocal test, which means you, uh, the, the system now has evolved. Uh, one of the things that they've improved on is they now make it so that you can just go to soundhealthportal.com, scroll down, see the current campaigns, pick a campaign, like let's say, oh, coronavirus or PTSD and pick one of those or pick any of the campaigns available. There are others and do a two uh, 45 second recordings and the system will walk you through all this and you'll so you'll sign up for a free account. You'll do the 45 second recordings through your computer. I do suggest using something, a microphone and particularly since in, in these days in the lockdown days, uh, everybody's doing Zoom and all sorts of meetups. Uh, there's a microphone called the Samsung S-O-N, uh, GoMic, which is a great value, which can be found at sellhelpoptions.com at the store. And it's a handy little mic that you can clip to your monitor, or to your laptop, or to your desktop, and it just improves your audio quality greatly. And so back to the SoundHealth portal, you you do your you sign up for a free account. You do two 45-second recordings. You choose your campaign that you want to have your vocal analysis re- run through the software, and you'll get back a report with information showing things. I, I like to think of it, or I think of it as showing you a chart that will give you information indicating hypertonistic, too much of something, or hypotonistic, or not enough of something, which is also in, can be indicative of, a, of an imbalance. Just because you have too much of something, it might mean that you're not assimilating it. So somewhere in the methylation cascade, which is a whole, wow, that's a whole show unto itself. Someday I'd love to talk to Dr. Mary about methylation cascade and CBD's influence in that arena. So you get the report, you sit down with a cup of tea, you review it. There's a lot of information giving you all sorts of clues and hints. And then if you have a healthcare practitioner you have that kind of relationship with, you could take it to them and say, look at this. What do you think? What do we do? How do we work on this? So that's all available at soundhealthportal.com. And you can also go to soundhealthoptions.com and under in the news, you can find recent videos that Sherry has done demoing online in a live form. Uh, how the Sound Health Portal works. And I, I recommend watching one of the videos because it's really great to see the visuals now involved. I've worked with Sherry for so long that it was back in the days when it was just reports, words, 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 and charts. Now there's actually visuals that show pie charts and all sorts of great visual aids that give you like, oh, it's that. I need to really look at this first and then work out from there. So that's all available at soundhealthoptions.com. Then, because this is definitely one of those shows you're going to want to listen to again or share with your friends, 
because cannabis is certainly a hot topic and CBD is wow. And Mary is the expert. That you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on, and click on the flyer for today's show. And that'll take you back to Blog Talk Radio where the show notes are and the links back to Dr. Mary's research and information is available. And or you can also look at the top of the page and we now have links to both Stitcher and Pocket Casts, which are great podcast aggregators, gatherers of podcasts in the world, in the intertubes of the web. And you'll be able to find the, when you click on either of those, you'll find at the top of the list, this show, those usually take about a half an hour to an hour to get that loaded up in there. But the great thing about, let's say, Pocket Cast, you click on the link and it'll bring the show, you can listen to it on your phone, cross-platform, or on your computer, cross-platform, and listen to it, pause, listen, take notes, and or you also... Uh, in Pocket Cast, there will be three dots over to the right, and you can click on that, and there is a you'll be able to share directly from there to your friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. And everybody has questions about CBD and cannabis these days, and it's great information. Understandable. I know it's a radical idea, and you know, as I say, Dr. Mary is the foremost expert. With that, Mary Clifton, MD, is a board-certified, licensed internal medicine doctor practicing in Manhattan. She's a recognized expert in CBD and cannabis and the founder of CBDandCannabisInfo.com, as well as the highly respected professional certification course, The Cannabinoid Protocol. She provides specialized consultation on patient and provider education, telemedicine, and cannabinoids, and has worked with several pharmaceutical, CBD, and cannabis corporations on areas of product development, speakers bureau, spokesperson, telemedicine, medical, and scientific directorship in the U.S., Europe, Asia, and Africa. Dr. Clifton is the best-selling author of The Grass is Greener, Medical Marijuana, THC, and CBD Oil, Reversing Chronic Pain, Inflammation, and Disease and Get Wasted, and Bow Wow CBD-infused dog treats and food, as well as five comparison companion cookbooks. She's also written for Green Entrepreneur, Forbes, Cannabis Magazine, Green Nurse Blog, The Complete Guide to Medical Marijuana Magazine, Women's World, and more. Her training tools teach healthcare providers and experts how to provide guidance and recommendations for their patients and clients. Dr. Mary joins us to discuss supporting our immune systems with cannabis. Welcome, Dr. Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, want to, I want to kind of back into this slightly. I know we really want to talk about CBDs, but I'd like to talk about, have you talk a bit about how immunosuppressive or immunoirritating do you think that chronic stress is on the immune system? And I mean, when I say stress, I mean, oh, let's say political, environmental, electronic pollution, just the totality of life as it is today. How, how immunosuppressive is all that or irritating? 
Oh, I think it definitely has uh, major and ongoing impacts with our immune system. Uh, you know, with um, uh, there's definitely some really good studies to support that. I mean, in short and long term. I think in the long term, impacts through the cortisol uh, 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 pathways and, uh, and, and through just uh, simple stress depleting all of the cortisol pathways, but also stimulating a lot of adrenaline and epinephrine release that, you know, puts the body in a state of activation rather than a state of healing. And, uh, and that's always distracting to the immune system. So uh, all of those things are. But there's also a, a study about, uh, about acute Stress really significantly diminishing immune response that uh, that I love. It's uh, uh, in regards to um, a movie that they took a, a group of study participants and had them watch a movie in a movie theater uh, about a, a really horrible situation where a group of people you know, were discriminated against and they didn't have any money and they didn't have any shelter or food and they uh, uh, were sick and couldn't get medicine for their illnesses and uh, just had a really terrible life. And then they emptied out half of the movie theater and measured immune function on, on the people who had left. And then on the people who stayed in the theater, they uh, uh, ran the latter 15 minutes of the movie that showed how Mother Teresa went into these communities and created homes and got medicine and food and and gave people hugs and, you know, provided all of this love and support. And then they emptied out the other half of the movie theater and measured their blood. And it, it, there was a remarkable difference in just that extra 15 minutes where both of them had experienced some very disturbing things to see. But then the other half of the movie theater was given some hope and some joy and love, and that uh, redirected the entire uh, immune response for them. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. So I'll be emailing you for that is. study. That's an amazing demonstration. It can, it, so your immune system is very, uh, is very um, uh, uh, nimble and, and can respond uh, quickly to the stimuli you give it. So I, I think it's uh, so important to make sure, especially in times like this, that you're, careful about all of these um, inputs you give your brain, you know, like, my gosh, law and order and, uh, and, and uh, the blood brothers and all of these shows that are these uh, legal shows that are so scary and, and really sick in terms of the way other human beings are treating other human beings that we really have to stop and think about the inputs we're giving our brains. That. Oh, no, that's a whole, I'll have to lay down on the couch and talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I say that because I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, the uh, use of cinema as a, as a way of expressing all sorts of things, whether it be, you know, sort of that Tarantino style or whether it be, uh, you know, Fred and Ginger dancing on stage. So there are all sorts of ways. Yeah. So, so I just, I, I know that it can be, uh, tricky on the immune system because there is the I have this thing that I've used for a long time with the our our brains our bodies really can't tell the difference between thinking about chronically thinking about a cyber tooth tiger and actually experiencing the cyber tooth tiger and I know always somebody that's raises right. their hand to go yeah. yeah but what about when it's ripping off your arm that's true there is a difference there 
but in just in terms of that, I know people who get into the cycle of fear and they're not under, I mean, they're under, you know, our current situation, I'm in a state where we're pretty much in lockdown because of COVID. And yet, even though the people are safe in their homes, they're still chronically having fear in their mind. And I think it's hard on their systems. And that's one of the things I'm happy, excited that we're going to talk about is some of that deflaming that because I think chronic fear is really hard on the body. It's really stressful. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's confusing to the body as well because the body, the physical body is going, I'm fine. What's going on? Why are we afraid? What's, what are we worried about? Why is my adrenal coursing? All that. Could you talk a little bit about the hormone cascade I mean, I think, in terms of that, all that? I, I think in the past it made sense when we were actually uh, involved in a predator-prey relationship. And you had to keep your eyes peeled when you were out on a hike because there, there was risk. When, or there was a risk that if you fall and if you fell and broke your ankle, that you would, you know, not be able to heal that because we didn't have, a, you know, modern medicine. So it was very important to be alert and aware of your surroundings and and be aware of foot placement and also to be aware so that you were gathering food as you were moving through your hike. And now you're uh, having a hiking experience just to you know, get your heart rate up and break a sweat, not necessarily because uh, you, because it, we don't really need all of that uh, additional stimuli. And so there's really not a lot of places for this uh, sort of agitation or, um, or, or, or fear to necessarily be released. You know, it doesn't have the protective benefit that it used to have for us you know, with keeping us away from snakes and helping us avoid dangerous situations that we were always putting ourselves in, um, just really from an evolutionary standpoint, a very short time ago. But when you put yourself in a chronic fear state or when you activate that fear state a lot, which, uh, which we certainly do in our, um, in our current environment, you, you can definitely see a difference in the um, amount of, uh, of cortisone that can be produced in response. I mean, if you're chronically agitated, chronically in a fearful state, you would think that those cortisone levels would, when you measure them, be a lot higher, but it actually results in a depletion and you end up with lower cortisone. And then when you do need the cortisone for a true fight or flight reaction, you're already depleted and you don't have the same uh, nice peak in response um, compared to somebody who, who isn't in a persistently um, agitated state. And that's why it becomes so difficult for people who have PTSD or other chronic anxiety syndromes that don't actually formally carry the diagnosis of PTSD. They're, um, you know, those anxiety syndromes uh, do lead to chronic hormonal changes that make it difficult for people. And, so if we have a situation, I, I, when we used to go to conferences, I haven't used that line yet, um, I would go to conferences, uh-huh. uh, let's say the Emerald Cup in Northern California, which is a big cannabis event. Yeah. And I would go and I would go and I would, there would always be the panel with the uh, veterans. And it was one of the larger audience because there were a lot of people that were dealing with PTSD on some level. And that was kind of the mm-hmm. focus of this mm-hmm. panel. And, and some of them were... Veterans administration issues, it's getting a little better, but it's still not great. 
and there'd always be the cranky since I've um, of this generation of the of the Vietnam. I didn't go to Vietnam, but I went to college with a bunch of people that soldiers that were in Vietnam. And there were some of them that would come back that were, you know, so quiet, they were scary. And then the other ones that had that nervous, bouncy knee. And then you'd have the others that would occasionally just randomly rage out because they were triggered by something. And you'd again, back to the Emerald Cup, I'd see, you see these, a lot of guys uh, who would go up to the microphone to their Q&A and they'd be just using many bad words that I cannot use on here talking about how they just wanted their cannabis and that the VA was threatening to cut off their other medications if they didn't have, if they thought were using cannabis because back then and a few years ago, it was still not legal and they were managing their own stress with using cannabis without any, has anybody ever died from using cannabis? <laughs> I'm jumping the shark no, here, but that they... just comes to mind. I mean, these guys were massive consumers, and yet I've never heard of death by cannabis. <laughs> no, there's never been a recorded death by cannabis. <laughs> and so, so were these. It's a... and... Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, and, and also, you know, cannabis was actually in the first study that looked at a. Uh, that looked at PTSD and, and trying to get a better response from therapy, trying to have the therapy go more effectively and quicker. Um, and and they, they've tried to pre-treat people before therapy to help them open up more with therapy with all kinds of different products. Uh, they, they've tried a cortisol injection, but, they, but they've tried uh, cannabis recently and gotten great results with that. That's actually the first study that's ever been shown to um, reduce uh, or to make therapy more effective, a pretreatment with cannabis. You know, we know that cannabis in the PTSD sufferers is valuable for reducing the day-to-day symptoms, but it doesn't necessarily shorten the duration of the PTSD. But now this was the first study of its kind just published in the last couple of years that showed that uh, taking cannabis prior to therapy just helps that processing speed along a little faster which is really exciting that you could actually help people heal. You know, I think it's probably through the, um, the, the naturally occurring anandamide pathways in the amygdala, you know, where a lot of memory and response to memory is stored, but also in the frontal cortex where your um, emotional response to stimuli is modified so that, you know, if you have a fear of snakes and you see a snake, you don't, you know, uh, run away. You can recognize your fears and, as an irrational fear and process it a little more effectively when, uh, when you're dealing with it, with the presence of cannabis. And I have to interject here that one of the things I admire about your work is that you're a medical doctor and you're yeah. using the word <laughs> heal people. You really, one of the things I really, as I say, admire and like about your work is that you're really advocating for people helping themselves. You, you want them to have, like at this, you know, your amazing website, the cbdandcannabisinfo.com. Everybody write that down. It's in the show notes. It's an amazing resource. You really are advocating for people to Thank take you. control and want to help them heal versus sort of the, what I would call the traditional angle from Western medicine is Medicaid. Take this. See me in six months. Yeah. 
Yeah. You really, yeah, you really are advocating of, for. Yeah. Go ahead, please. That's been a frustration of my whole career because, you know, you spend, I, I would see people back every three months. Nobody ever got off their medication. Nobody ever, you know, uh, got better with what I was doing. It was always just, uh, you know, a, a, a crutch to, to sort of get them to through the next three months. And, and, and the pharmaceutical industry has everybody really thinking that if they, you know, control the blood pressure numbers, that they've somehow corrected the problem. But you, I mean, you can definitely decrease the blood pressure numbers, but you haven't gotten to the reason why the numbers are elevated in the first place. And, and, that, and that was something that uh, Western medicine and the very robust pharmaceutical industry never worked on. You know, they're looking for lifetime consumers. They're not looking to help people identify ways that they can feel better and do better and potentially be able to stop their medication and, or, or, or to give them any sense of self-control over their medications for any condition, you know. So I, I, and a lot of what I did when I was in private practice, you know, was not particularly effective, you know, in a lot of cases with people that had trouble sleeping or people who had trouble with their depression. I would have them on two antidepressants at pretty high doses, and they would still tell me that they were, you know, maybe at a six or a seven out of ten most days. They, they, they at least felt normal. They never really felt terribly sad. They never felt terribly happy either. It sort of blunted all of their emotions, but at least it got them out of their terrible sadness. And, and none of these interventions actually got down to addressing the um, the, you know, the, the underlying issue or give the patient any control. Everything I gave them had to be taken at a, you know, every day. And if you missed a dose, you would have side effects. It, uh, you know, it was entirely under my control, their, their condition and how they respond to their condition. It took even more of their empowerment away when they would come to see me. And so what I've really enjoyed about working with people with cannabinoids is, is exactly that. It's the patient empowerment that, that the, the patient is in charge of how much medicine they think they need, and, uh, and we can give them a range, and then on days that they feel great, they can take a lot, and on days that they feel less great, they can, you know, or sorry, they can take a little, and then on days when they don't feel as good, they can take uh, a little more and get um, a different result. But they're in control instead of, you know, um, a doctor in a pharmaceutical company. We just have to be careful as we build the cannabis industry that we don't uh, build another industry that looks a lot like the industry that we're trying to improve upon. I was going to say this to later, but you, you make me want to say this now. That, <laughs> that's why I know we're, the, we're kindred spirits on that we believe in whole plant extracts, whole plant yes. formulations. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that I, as an old, as an old dash herbalist, um, I really am a fan of whole plants because I think of how much we've seen, and we're going to talk in a little bit about some new forms of cannabinoids, the CBN, CBGs, and how I, I think we're going to keep finding things out about cannabis that we didn't know. And I think the idea of taking going down the pharmaceutical direction of here's the thing you want – because that's the pharmaceutical direction. And, and I toss this out occasionally, but 
the original pharmacopoeias that for decades were used were compounding books for pharmacists when they would take herbs and make them into formulas. It's called the pharmacopoeia. And in those books, I used to collect these, and in those books there, used to, there were formulas where they would take herbs. You can see actual what I would call a recipe. They call them formulas. And they were always mm-hmm. striving toward getting toward the thing. Here's the thing in this that we want. And I, I think what we're seeing with cannabis is that there are things that we don't know yet. So I'm always advocating for whole plant as a foundation, then adding something to it if you want. But always have the whole plant because there's stuff in there we don't probably know about yet, little micronutrients and all sorts of things. So mm, I, I, I just think that that's really, you know, as a foundation. Um, I want to, I want to jump goes slight, back to the supplements ahead. industry. It all goes back to the oh, supplements yeah. industry in general, where, you know, yeah. there are, there is a position for supplements, but they really do have to be carefully administered and thought about and, 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 uh, and in the setting of following a great diet and lifestyle too. You're such a radical. Uh, yes. I know. <laughs> Such a <What>? radical. <laughs> it's so radical. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm if you su- just, you know, are eating pizza and never moving and then thinking that you're going to take your pills and everything is going to be fine, then, uh, then yeah, that you probably won't. <laughs> yeah, and if you probably think your leader, if you think a liter of Diet Coke a day is your fluid intake for water, uh, you know, yeah, there's, uh, wow. Yikes. Oh, I know. Just the just the detoxification from all of that. Uh, all of that is. I mean, it's amazing how many people perceive a, a diet coke to be just just brown water, basically, and not be any any more toxic. And then when you start to really come into all of our processed foods and how we're going to manage that, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That's a very complex conversation to get people to change their diet. And I worked in that area for a long time, and. Just uh, there, there's so many layers of roadblocks to what people will put in their mouths that um, I think I, I, you know I don't think that that's where my skill set is uh, most valuable. And so you know that was uh, when I realized the power of cannabis and uh, other cannabinoid formulations. Then that pivot just made a lot of logical sense for me. Oh, I'd so like to do a show with you talking about <laughs> all of that. <laughs> that would be yeah. amazing because that's a whole other oh, subject. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same way that you do. That it's. I mean, I was in the restaurant business for you know almost twenty years in chunks because it's only tolerable for a certain period of time. And yeah, my goal was always to take the best local food I could find and cook it to the best of its my ability and present it as a great meal. I, I, there were no yeah. tweezers in my kitchens. There was no none of that silliness, no foam, um, none of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's great food. And yeah. really, great food is hard to beat as a nutritive. Um, you know, but again, that's a whole other show. So yeah. yeah, we have these receptor sites in our body that are receptor sites for cannabinoids. And... Are there others? I, I I want to jump momentarily for your book about uh, the Bow Wow Wow. <laughs> I can't find the, the title right now, but that book. So why are yeah, dogs? Are dogs the? Book. Are the dogs the only other species that we know of that have an endocannabinoid, you know, a cannabinoid system in their body? 
Oh, well, that's a good question. You know, I, I, I really am not a veterinarian and I'm very much specialized in the human model, but the, you know, I, I wrote the doggy cookbook because I, I needed some CBD for my dog and he didn't seem to do well with the elixirs. And then, um, and then I, I couldn't find a soft dog chew because he's an old dog with, uh, with no teeth. And then I thought, if I'm dealing with this, it seems likely that others are too. So I, uh, so, I, so I wrote that book. And that way, you know, people who want to create dog treats for their dog can, uh, can do it. But, uh, but my dog, you know, I think if you look around at different products, different pet products, my dog has done well with, um, you know, with the Nuvita line with their um, pet products. So I, I don't, I haven't been making a lot of uh, baked, I'm not really much of a baker to be candid. So, you know, <laughs> creating uh, dog treats is really not my thing. I'm much more of a whole foods cook like you described yourself. Uh, right. So, so yeah, I mean, making little dog treats on a Saturday afternoon is just not my program, but, but it has been, uh, that's been a very popular cookbook because a lot of people really, really love to do it on their dogs and make food for their dogs. So it's fun to do. Yeah, I've always um, I've always cooked breakfast and dinner for my dogs. And as I actually cook their food fresh at every meal with vegetables and slightly cooked meat and extra garlic and that kind of thing, you know, extra nutrients, and then maybe just a scoosh of CBD oil on their food, and that's that. And they oh, eat twice okay. a day, very happily. Um, but it's a, yeah, but I'm a I'm people, more cook uh... I'm more cooking oriented, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's a thing. Well, especially if you previously owned restaurants and you're good at cooking, <laughs> then that's your, uh, yeah, then that's a different, that's a better route. Right. But it's, it's a great way. <laughs> I love the idea of using the oils to get them into animals because I've, I, I'm pro animals people. I have mixed reviews, but I'm very pro animals. And yeah, it, it's easy to be pro animals, isn't it? Especially right, dogs. I think they're oh, like dogs the perfect. Are, I mean, cats are good. I like cats too, but cats are so, you know, like, what? Whereas dogs are like, oh, wow, man, what are we doing? So there's that. Um, but it's so great to have a delivery system, as you say, with Nuvita, uh, where it's just a squirt, you know, because giving a, giving, finding the right palate, well, dogs are a little easier, but cats are ridiculous. Um, but to find some easy way to have a delivery system, because, again, as an herbalist, that's part of it is compliance, getting people to have a way to take something easily with the least amount of resistance possible, like, oh, I don't like that, or I can't remember to take those, or, um, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a thing that occurs with when people start taking things, like, let's say, the Novita products, that if they listen to their bodies, their bodies are going to go, oh, that feels really good, and then they're going to get that cascade that, which I you can talk about the hormone cascade, but I suspect they're going to start to get that feeling of, oh, I remember to take it because I know I feel better when I take it or when I eat it. It's like eating a good diet. Once you start eating kind of, you know, regular organic foods, and they don't have to be swanky. They're just good organic foods. Your body kind of goes, oh, wow, this is really good. I feel good. Yeah, it really is nice to uh, to uh, to get these systems like uh uh, honed and humming with uh, with with great quality stuff, and I mean the uh, when you get into a high quality CBD that is at a reasonable price point where you can where you can go ahead and use it. The Nuvita CBDs I love because they have these great um, 
you know, they have such a robust affiliated program so people can get, you know, the, the products at wholesale cost. And then you can just use them. Like I've taken to using uh, one at bedtime. I wash my face with coconut oil, and that leaves very nice residue uh, to sleep and, and have that to keep your face really well moisturized. But I also put just a, a squirt of CBD in my hand and then, and then put that all over my face too. And that's really helped my complexion and helped reduce the fine lines. And it's a, it's such a nice light oil. So it doesn't feel really comedogenic and, and, uh, and, and, and it helped my skin to stay uh, very smooth. But you know, when you're, when it's when it's hard to find, or when the uh, formulations aren't good, or when it's just simply too expensive, you can't uh, you know do things like that with your CBD. Right. And do we? Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump <clears throat> jump slightly sideways. <clears throat> Pardon me uh, for a moment and talk about uh, and ask about again as an herbalist. I think eventually down the road we're going to realize that CBD. Well, we, you and I, know it's an adaptogen. It's always striving toward, I want homeostasis, which I'll ask you about in just a second. But the other thing I think we're going to find out about CBD, cannabis slash CBD, is that Mm -hmm. it's a tonic. And herbally, a tonic is long-term beneficial effect. And we think of things like Mm -hmm. ginseng and other, you know, ashwagandha and some other types of specific herbs, which are classic tonics. But I think we're eventually going to find that cannabis and CBD are in that same family of long-term beneficial effect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with the ECS system in every organ and tissue and body, having, uh, I mean, having the endo, having with an endocannabinoid system that's already in place, the body's designed to have cannabinoids to use to respond to stress and inflammation. So, yeah, you know, a complete restriction of cannabinoids from your body just leaves a system entirely unmanaged, you know. And then you have, and you have these issues where you're, um, you know, where, where you're dealing with more stress and more anxiety, difficulty managing your weight, uh, problems with your sleep. And, and all of those things, you know, respond nicely when you get these systems in tune and balanced. And uh, CBD. Cannabinoid formulations are part of that uh, innate balance that your body needs. And um, you're you're occasionally your audio is getting a little wobbly. I don't know if you're. I don't think you're moving. Oh. It could just be everybody in no. the world is doing FaceTime. <laughs> that could be part of it. Is bandwidth <laughs> has gotten a little wobbly. Um, I want I want to back up just for a moment to. So we have the endocannabinoid system. I can't remember if I read or listened to you talk about because I've read and listened to a lot of your work that we're that it's having a lot of effect on the sort of the uh, not sort of the neurotransmitter junctions and it's reducing inflammation in those junctions. Okay. So could you talk about that whole junction thing because it's such a powerful. And the, and the feedback loop that it can occur from chronic pain or other kinds of conditions, because it's such a powerful yeah. arena that I don't think people are aware of. Well, neurotransmitter junctions are just simply places where one nerve talks to another. And where CBD and other cannabinoids are so powerful is, is, is impacting these communications all the way up the spinal cord and 
in the brain and down the spinal cord because every time data is transferred from one nerve to another along that pathway, then there's an opportunity for that signal to get upregulated or to get downregulated. So like, you know, for example, when you burn your finger on the stove and, and less than a second later you move your finger away from the, burned, from the burn, from the hot object, in that period of time, that sensation has gone all the way up to your brain and then all the way back down to your arm to create that rapid movement away from the, from the hot object. But you'll notice after, you know, that evening that the tip of your finger where you burned is sore and uncomfortable, but actually the whole hand and probably part of the forearm also feels injured. You know, the whole arm doesn't really feel right. And that's where that's the potentiation. That's that upregulation of it, where when the uh, the nerve fiber connects at the at the spinal cord level, then it, it sends a, an emergency signal that gets potentiated and enlarged, and then up the spinal cord where it goes to the cortex of the brain, it activates the cortex around that little finger, but it also activates all of the other nerves right around that, so that the whole arm has. Um, some upregulation, and then it shoots back down the uh, spinal cord and does the same thing. So this emergency response, you know, can be tempered by cannabinoids. These uh, these areas of inflammation can be tempered, and your body's already doing that. The uh, you know the uh, the um, uh, we've taken samples of biopsies of inflamed colons and then tested them for CB receptors. And actually, inflamed colons have more CB receptors uh, um, in them than, uh, than uninflamed colons. And the same thing is true of rheumatic knees. If you have a big swollen knee and you take the fluid off the knee, then, uh, then that fluid can be tested, and that has a higher level of circulating uh, endocannabinoids, the body's naturally <clears throat> occurring CBDs. So you'll be able to measure those in these inflamed uh, inflamed fluids. So I think that all, the, there's, there's, uh, the body is already using the CB receptors primarily located in the central nervous system in the brain and spinal cord to try to temper these um, inflammatory responses. And are you, uh, in the old uh, chiropractic world, I think this is where this languaging comes from, where they talk, to, talk about referred pain where you have a nerve innervating out of the, through the spine, since everything comes out through the spine and then goes out to the various appendages or organs. Chiropractors would talk about an area, you know, I'll say, you know, L5, just because I'm making it up. Uh, but L5, you could have an issue with your colon or your digestive system, and you might have discomfort in that area of the spine, and it's referred pain because the organ is having an issue, and it's sending that information back to the brain. And you can get a little bit of inflammation as a result of that or some kind of signal. The brain is, maybe the spine is fatigued going, wow, I'm tired of hearing about this colon thing. It, is that some of the effects of the, some of the benefits we get from adding CBD to our systems is really, I guess one of, one of my primary questions is, is CBD, I know it's an adaptogen, but is its primary job is an anti-inflammatory or is it really giving information to the cells to go, okay, everybody, just calm down a little bit? 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, I mean, well, I think it's, it's job is really the restoration of balance and homeostasis Mm -hmm. and reducing inflammation. So it is, it is working to, you know, bring things back in order that it's, uh, I think just as soon as injury happens, the body starts to work on injury cleanup. And that's where part of the injury Mm. cleanup is going to be sending in the macrophages to actually chew up and sweep away bacteria or infection or dirt. And then there's um, also the, uh, and then, and then there's also the, uh, uh, you know, the CB receptors that come in to help make sure that that inflammatory response is controlled because, uh, you know, you don't want things to go crazy in the inflammatory response too. That's what we see sometimes with COVID that uh, people will have like a, an out of control inflammatory response and create way too much mucus and way too much fluid in their lungs to the point that the lungs can't exchange gases anymore. And so, so, you know, tempering that immune response uh, appears to make a big difference in, uh, in how people are responding to, um, to an infection and how quickly they're healing. So that's true in, in, uh, in these particular, uh, in, in different viral infections, we've been able to show that there's, that uh, you can impact T cell function uh, with CBD and have impacts in West Nile virus and in hepatitis and in uh, um, just typical influenza and also in uh, HIV. But, you know, of course, COVID is too early to actually have proof, but, um, but, but I think that there shortly we'll be able to um, identify some valuable positions for um, CBD and cannabinoids in, um, in, uh, in managing acute infection. Well, in, in the case particularly uh, of COVID, it seems like it would be beneficial at least in its desire to be an adaptogen and also to help the stress because the, env- the environment of being in a COVID situation is stunningly stressful. Uh, so yeah. I just think that alone would have benefit and then everything else might you know, be assistive. Anything to reduce stress is always good. Um, you know, we all don't have a time to sit for and meditate half a day or the patients in some cases. <laughs> right, right, right. And having something that's job is to mediate and modulate immune function is a really, really good, um, really good idea, you know, for us. Yeah, yeah. Nothing but, nothing but a win. Uh, somebody's asking me uh, in chat, do we store mm-hmm. a reserve of cannabinoids? Um, I think you can. It depends. You know, cannabinoids are fatty acids, so they store in in the fat, and they um, and and so they uh, uh, could be stored in the fat, but in unreliable ways. A lot of fatty acid storage um, is complex in in different types of fat. You know, an, an ordinary healthy person is uh, is going to be, you know, I think around uh, 10 to 15 percent body fat. Your um, super athletes are 5 percent body fat when they're very um, scrawny, like, you know, the um, marathoners or, you know, very uh, what, what people with that are very thin and very um, sinewy. But but an average ordinary person should be uh, well on like somewhere around ten to twenty percent body fat. 
But when you get up above that and you've got other fat storages in your body, then, uh, you know, that fat is unhealthy and it doesn't, it, 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 the fat itself is unhealthy. It doesn't respond like healthy fat. So it doesn't necessarily store your vitamin D and then release it when you need it. It, it functions in more of a long-term storage capacity or it doesn't really understand the regulation of these fatty, um, soluble vitamins. So there, it's always a question when you're dealing with somebody who's got a lot of unhealthy fat stored in their body and they come in with a vitamin D deficiency. Like, you know, if we actually biopsied the fat, would we find that, they're, that they have too much vitamin D on board? You know, maybe they do and their fat just doesn't... Uh, still have the mechanism on how to release the vitamin D appropriately. So, um, so yes and no. I mean, you, so, so the answer to that question is complex and we really don't understand how it works in a healthy body. You should be able to store some cannabinoids in your fat and be able to release them later when needed. I mean, that's why drug tests will be positive for a week or two after um, mild uh, administration of cannabinoids. But um, but we don't know what happens in, in an unhealthy body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have somebody that else. Is, I, it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the mix of, again, is it, having been a chef for a long time, I think about the idea of, you know, mixing oils. And at some point it gets to be a mess. I'm just talking about it in a culinary way, not in a health benefit way, but just in the sense of, you get too many oils going, and at some point, it's, something's going to split, like a hollandaise. You add too much oil, and it breaks. It's called breaking. Yeah. And then it's just mm-hmm. gloppy mess, and it's the same thing, I think, in the body where you, we get so many fats, and back to the original question about stress and immunosuppression, fats are tricky. And that's just from, mm-hmm. a, as I say, a culinary view and with some herbal knowledge. And those are healthy fats, you know. I mean, uh, so it, it, when you get into unhealthy fats, you are dealing, and maybe, uh, maybe except in cooking, I don't know if the analogy holds because sometimes you can take an unhealthy fat and reheat it, and you know, uh, and, and reuse it in all kinds of ways. It's just, you know, um, no, 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 maybe that... it, but but when you're yeah. dealing with unhealthy fat in the body, I think people think that fat is just unsightly or a vanity issue. But but on, but added fat on the body really has a t- some terrible metabolic consequences um, consistently every hour of every day, and then has these weird storage behavior patterns, and uh, you know, and mechanically is difficult on the body. There's just a lot of things that it's doing, uh, but that doesn't make it any easier to lose weight once it's been gained. You know, I mean, I really feel for people who are suffering with a weight problem because it's just a, a very difficult problem to correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to move into talking about uh, you, you're working with this new line of products, which I find to be exciting yeah. because they're Very whole cool. plant, they're whole plant, non-GMO, organic, hemp derived. And oh, that's actually a question I had in chat is somebody's asking, <clears throat> what is most effective, hemp leaf oil or hemp seed oil? I don't know that I make a differentiation. I'm just more interested in the, because everybody that was doing a good product would be doing third-party testing. So you'll be able to look at the oil and determine the CBD concentration to determine that that's been confirmed and also to make sure that your other cannabinoids are in an appropriate range. So I would, uh, I would, um, 
you know, just look for that third-party testing to confirm the concentration of CBD. The, uh, the molecule itself is the same. So it doesn't really matter if it was derived from seeds or stems or buds, you know, or flowers as we call them nowadays. It would, it's more of a, uh, more of a how much CBD is, is concentrated. And in most cases you're using uh, uh, buds and some uh, leaves, you know, for the extraction process just because that's where the CBD is concentrated. And then mm-hmm. hemp seed oil is sometimes better just for like cooking. Have you cooked with hemp oils before? It, I love that green flavor that they create. I have a, a quart bottle of organic hemp oil in my fridge that I use as a <laughs> what I would call a culinary, meaning I, w- I won't cook with it, but I'll use it as a what would be called a finish oil meaning I would never actually cook it to heat it because I don't want to damage the raw quality. But, uh, but right. I might finish a dish with it like a zhuzh of oil across a pasta dish or across a roast uh, butternut, I mean, a butternut squash or anything like that where you'd finish a dish or a squirt on a salad. or you know That's, that's how I use it as a finish oil. Uh, so I've been knowing yeah. using that for about 10 years. Yeah. I'm a big It'd fan. Be really, it's really nice in that position. I agree with you. It's nice to leave it in that raw state. But, yeah, the, the Nuvita products I've gotten very interested in, they're, um, they really have everything you could need, you know, for people like us who are very interested in the full spectrum oils. You can get their, um, their full spectrum oils. They also have a THC-free oil with, from CBD isolate if that's what you need to use. Um, and then they have CBN-infused products and CBG-infused products and a pet line. And then, you know, this robust affiliate program where, uh, where you can get, you know, 35% off of your, um, of your products or at least 30% off with affiliation. And, and that makes the products so affordable and easy to obtain. I mean, really, yeah. at that point, yeah. If you buy a, a bottle for you and find uh, two other people, you can get your CBD for free every month. It's amazing. Would you talk? Would you yeah. talk about? Because I know they're they're really one of the leaders in the use of the CBN and CBG. Would you talk about the differences between the CBN? What you might use CBN for? Because they well, they're 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 taking a whole. So everything I said before about the CBD oil, it's a whole plant. In my case, it would be a whole plant. I would always have a trace amount of THC because I'm not being tested and I'm not worried. And who cares? That's my view. Um, It's a a tiny little amount, um, but a whole plant. And then they're adding to that the CBN or CBG. So would you talk about the qualities of the CBN and the CBG? Because they're both really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I've done some research on both of them, just trying to see what data is uh, available. You know, it's it's all laboratory data and, and very very early preliminary data on these products. We don't have a lot of uh, a lot of you know long term uh, multi centered, uh, double blind, placebo controlled, randomized data on anything in the CBD or cannabis community. But um, but in 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 the test tube in the petri dish or in rat models, um, CBN has been found to be one of the more sedating uh, cannabinoids. And, uh, and, and some of their early animal data is very interesting, uh, where, where people, uh, rats, I should say, did seem to get quite a bit more sedated when using CBN compared to using CBD or cannabinoids. So, um, so 
so that the, the CBN is a nice product, and it's being positioned particularly for helping people with significant anxiety or for people with insomnia to help them fall asleep and stay asleep, kind of a CBN for nighttime. And then the CBG is considered sort of the Rolls Royce of all of the cannabinoids. It's very expensive to extract, available in only very small amounts in typical preparations. So an infused preparation is a very nice product. And it um, appears to work particularly well at all of the immune system modulation work and particularly well uh, just the way all of the other cannabinoids work. Um, just a, one, one of the more powerful cannabinoids for creating kind of any outcome that you're trying to create. Some of it breaks down into THC, it seems, but it also seems to be a pre, a pre, just a, a, a highly functional precursor to, um, to potentiate a number of different reactions. So very early preliminary data. I shot a video on it, I think, maybe 10 days ago after I collected all of the research and uh, and uh, and pulled that together. It's very exciting. And those well, are great. Like- I mean, I love when people are doing something innovative within this community. They are, you know, combining these products with um, other herbal therapies. But I always worry about those combinations because you worry about these molecules being sticky. And if you take a sleep medication of CBD plus 14 adaptogens and valerian and skullcap, you know, you might find that the, that all the molecules are clumping together. And so one night you may take a squirt that doesn't really do much. And another night you take a squirt that has, you know, quite a bit of, of all of those compounds in, in, in the product. They just, the molecules are sticky. So it's a nice idea for these expensive products to keep your products a little bit separate and do the adaptogens in one container that, you know, use your CBD out of a different container so that, so that you don't, so that you get consistency in the delivery. Um, And especially with a product like a CBG infused uh, CBD oil, that's going to be, you know, quite a bit more expensive than your usual CBD oil. And you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to want to try it, uh, you know, as a standalone rather than mixed in with other stuff. But so, so I love the innovation of people who are putting a bunch of herbs together with it. I do love that. But I, but I also really love these um, infused products where one particular cannabinoid is made to stand out. Well, and as you say also, again, as an herbalist uh, who is a, a believer in formulations, I'm also a in, believer in isolated, meaning a single plant extract. When I, when I first add an herb to my whatever experiment of life, um, I'll always take it as a solo herb because I want to find out how, how respond I feel like it or what it does or what it doesn't do or if it is or if it isn't. And I feel the same way very much about, I've been taking um, CBD oils from a different manufacturer for quite a while. And I just take a squirt every night before I go to bed, but that's all I'm taking. I'm not taking it with 14 other substances because I want just that. I want the anti-inflammatory, stress-reducing, all those benefits that I'm getting from it. And I might take valerian earlier in the day. I think eventually we'll also find that valerian is a long-term beneficial effect. Uh, tonic, good for the myelin sheath, good for the nerves, slightly soothing, um, and it's certainly cost-effective. So I will take a number of things, but I, I'm again, I'm a fan of what you're talking about and what you practice with 
you know, this is something you really want to take as a solo substance and see how it is. Don't throw it in with a handful of other substances because it'll give your body more opportunity to go, oh, wow, that's really good. And especially because it's in an MCT as a carrier, I think some of that gets by, gets to carry through the blood-brain barrier orally. So I think you get a little, I think it's all a good. I'm a fan of all of that. I have oh, no yeah. question Me there. Too. <laughs> I can't make that into a form of a question. I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> but it's really, it was more of a mini rant about, I, you know, I just think using, <laughs> using cannabis as a solo substance is a great way to go. And particularly when we get into the more medicinals. It's obviously a very powerful product. I had a, um, I was working with somebody in the financial industry, uh, you know, back uh, in in January, February. Uh, you know, I've been re- I've relocated to Michigan after my mother had a hospitalization, and I've been here since the pandemic. So I miss everybody in New York so much. But the but I was working with a a, a person in finance, and he said, "There's no way that this stuff has all of these properties, all this inflammatory, anti-inflammatory, <laughs> and all these. There's no way." And I said, "You know what? What exactly are you thinking is happening here? I mean, do you think that this product is giving you this powerful, you know, central nervous system response when you use it, and then it's it, it just stops at the bottom of your neck? <laughs> you think, no, no other part of your body is impacted by this product, even though there's CB receptors on every organ and tissue. I mean, how could it possibly not have an effect everywhere else? It most certainly does. <laughs> but he did stop and stare at me for a bit, and then we just went back to you know talking about stuff he was comfortable talking about. <laughs> right, right. It's hard to, and, and it's funny in a certain way. It almost goes back to part of our conversation about. But this is so different because it's an adaptogen, an adaptogen, and a nutritive to the system, versus the pharmaceutical paradigm, which has nothing to do. This is all my opinion. I like to put that disclaimer in there. This is my opinion. The pharmaceutical industry has nothing to do with the nutritive side of supporting the body. Whereas this is an, and again, I'm an old cranky herbalist. This is a nutritive. It's going to help the whole system in a long-term benefit if, and in the short term. Go ahead. I heard that sigh. Oh, no. I mean, I would agree with you. Like I remember years ago when Pravastatin came around and said, we have a little antioxidant arm, um, you know, uh, uh, on the side of our cholesterol medication. And that may be why we're more effective than other cholesterol medications. Uh, But, you know, everybody was sort of reaching for something like that. But yeah, the pharmaceutical industry and the, and nutrition is, are just two different industries, you know? And so, and they're and they're hard to serve both industries at the same time. I mean, there there is still great value in so many things that pharmaceuticals can do. You know, um, especially like I mean, I just took care of a girl this morning who has had her first outbreak of um, herpes, and you know, mm. the first year after the after the first year after the diagnosis can be so miserable for patients. They're sick like virtually every other week, and. Uh, and having tons of breakouts, and really, um, it's a tough year. So, using suppressive antiviral therapy for the first, you know, six to eight months to try to reduce the intensity of their of their acute illness uh, is is so helpful. And I'm a hundred percent for that. But then, you know, there are a, a lot of other things that I think we 
we mask with, uh, you know, with common medications, but I don't, I don't think we're helping our patients. We're not doing a lot of favors. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked to find, although I want to do a whole nother hour about NASADs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, but we won't mm. perhaps another time. Um, okay. The long-term <laughs> effect of those. Uh, we're at that amazing point where I, I want to say this for people so that they can, this will be in the show notes that go to Dr. Mary's site, go to CBD and cannabis Have a beverage, not diet Coke, no <laughs> sodas. And really there's just, it's an amazing resource of information. Lots of videos, lots of research, lots of really good information and to help us be empowered, to help us help ourselves. Absolutely. I love that about mm-hmm. your work. I love that about your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been really having uh, fun, too. I mean, there's also the Nuvita, and that's very empowering to be able to be, you know, uh, to have a great product that you can get for a reasonable rate. So if you, you know, if you have an interest in that, either one of us, Richard or me, are available to talk to you about that. And right. um and I've also been working in face masks, so don't be surprised when you go to CBD and cannabis that there isn't some personal safety data there that can maybe help you make a good selection on face masks now that we're, you know, dealing with a pretty formidable opponent here in COVID. It's, uh, you know, it's a, if you're, if you're uh, inclined toward wearing face masks, I'm inclined toward helping you, you know, uh, feel confident in that decision and, and uh, make a good choice. Well, there's a whole nother show. Uh, okay. We yeah. have to stop. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That was, that was wonderful. I knew it would be, I talked too much, but I'm enthused. Uh, that was really wonderful. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Mary. I don't think that you talk too much. I mean, we're finishing right in an hour. I know, but sometimes I feel like, you know, you're, you're the expert. I want to hear from you, but I can't help it because I'm enthused about the subject. So thank you so much. <laughs> And everybody else, have a great rest of the week. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.